Welcome to the Small Business Whole Health Podcast. We help you stay happy, healthy, and whole so your small business can thrive and stay vital in this ever-changing world with holistic coaches and small business owners, Jill and Dan. Hello, and welcome to the Small Business Whole Health Podcast. I'm Jill, and I'm here with my podcasting partner, Daniel. Hello, Jill, and hello, listeners. Hello, listeners. And today we are talking about the differences between men and women when we exercise and posturally and fitness and all of that kind of jazz, aren't we, Dan? Because there's a lot of, like, some people would probably just think, oh, well, we'll do a training session, just do the same as the man, as my husband or boyfriend or whatever. And it actually doesn't quite work that way, does it not, Dan? No, I think women, there's a lot more complexity involved. There's it a can lot even, more nuances. Yeah, exactly. And it can change, which we're going to talk about throughout the month as well. Whereas men tend to be kind of, it's a bit more even, I would say. Yes. Women, there's a lot more hormonal changes and the anatomy's a lot different. And a lot of the kind of long-term exercise programs and things and athletic events are based on men because historically women were never like involved in athletic type of training. So it's just continued even up to this day. Obviously women do compete and exercise a lot more now, but the training models are kind of still the same. But like you said, there's a lot of nuances and it should be done a little bit differently. So we're going to break down what the differences are. Yeah, I always remember Paul Check saying that men are like dump trucks and women are like Lamborghinis. And it is, we've got a lot more nuances and things that we need to think about and considerations and all of that kind of stuff. It's quite interesting when you actually think about it. Um, a lot of those uh, programmes that you were talking about there come from the 1970s, like um, the Eastern Bloc country training, you know, like the weightlifting programs, like how to build strength, all in men. And that whole regime of you train hard for three weeks, then you have a week off. That's also for men <laughs> because women, we have different cycles and different times of the month. So you could have, like, I know some football teams are starting to do it now, women football teams, where they all have different training schedules to combine with their their menstrual cycle really so it's quite interesting because if you do tap into your menstrual cycle you can actually enhance your performance a lot more if you know what you're doing we were just talking off air about that as well if you just struggle through it and you think you should be able to expect the same levels of performance at different times in the menstrual cycle it's probably going to lead to a lot of mental frustration as well yeah whereas if you listen to your body and you knew what was what was coming what to expect and then program what you're going to do accordingly you can then maximize your time spent training. Exactly. So should we go through it a little bit? Yeah. Um, I'll talk about it, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I could talk about it, but it wouldn't make any sense. And I'd be totally just bluffing me way through it. <laughs> so I'll just talk about, like, uh, say, the, the average women's menstrual cycle, which would be like a 30-day cycle. Of course, um, not all women have 30-day cycles, but let's just say that they do for the purposes of me talking about it so day one would be the first day of your period so that's when your hormones have all dropped to their lowest levels and then that's when you start your period because that's telling the uterus that there's no baby there so shed everything um so that lasts so your period lasts for about three days so people think oh i can't train when i'm on my period but you actually can and you should now your joints are lax at this moment in time, so it's not good to um, do jumpy kind of hit training or plyometric kind of training because your joints 
a, a problem, but you should be lifting heavy. If you're going to lift heavy any time of the month, now's the time to lift during your period because you're more like a man. <laughs> I know that sounds really weird, but your hormones are at the lowest point and you're more like a man at that point. So you'll probably be able to lift heavier and you'll probably be able to um, really go and get some personal bests. In fact, Paula Radcliffe broke a world record when she was on her period. So quite interesting. So then after like three days, whatever, then your hormones start to rise to day 15, which is the day of ovulation, like of that 30 day cycle. So as your hormones are rising and things are happening, like there's other hormones happening that are telling the follicle, follicle stimulating hormone and um, luteal, luteolizing hormone to tell your to body to release an egg. That happens at ovulation. And then when you, when you get to ovulation, some women can feel like crap, others get migrainey because that's when your hormones are right at the peak. So around day 15 is where everything started to rise. So you're good for weightlifting during that period. And then after ovulation, your hormones start to drop. And a lot of women can feel that drop quite significantly. Like they'll just feel tired. Um, it's about week three of your four-week period, let's say. Um, so during that week, you really want to be thinking about doing more kind of mind-body stuff, like breathing exercises, zone exercises, Pilates, yoga. That's the week to do that. Week four, your hormones peak a little bit again. They start to go up again. They drop, and then they start to go up a little bit. So you might feel okay. So you can do your regular training, whatever that is, and then they'll drop again, ready for starting your period again. So first half of the month, you should be weightlifting. And if you really want to maximize your performance, weightlifting, doing all the heavy stuff, second half of the month, do your more mind body inward stuff. So first half of the month outward, second half of the month inward. That was a very concise explanation. <laughs> I've learned a lot. <laughs> there you go, Dan. Surely it must as well, like going through at certain points of the menstrual cycle, there's more of an emotional kind of stimulus as well. So I can imagine if you're trying to lift heavy, but you're also kind of quite highly emotionally strong. Imagine it being frustrating as well. That's what we mean by there's a lot more complexity to females with regards to training. Yeah. Because you could feel as though I feel really strong, but like you're on, you're also on a knife edge and you're very emotional. So <laughs> if it Usually doesn't go how you expected. <laughs> Usually after day one and two, when your hormones are starting to rise again, you probably feel all right. Men should stick it clear the first like the day before and the first two days, because that's when hormones are at their lowest ebb. And that's when we're kind of not in control. Basically, our hormones are as low as they're going to go. And then we start to get better. And then towards ovulation, it could go either way. You can feel great because they're at the highest point or it can be like too much and you just feel really crappy. So it's the toss of a coin. If, yes. as, as a man, I would just, I would take a cautious road and just... <laughs> Yeah. Just be cautious the whole of the month, to be yeah. fair. Um, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> and if you're on the, the birth control pill, that just is just a whole different thing. That a whole sequence of rising and falling, that is just dampened. That whole system is just dampened down. So you don't really have any of that kind of, this is when you should be strength training, this is when you should be working in kind of stuff. It's just a, it's just a flat line basically all the way through so you can do what you want really yeah really. and same as well like your listeners have probably realized that now nearly all of these things whether it be hormonal or whether it be physiological 
it's because women are designed genetically for, for childbirth, which is obviously massively different to men and it's very traumatic. So a lot of the things like that joint laxity, the, we're going to speak about like kind of wider hips and obviously the hormonal cycle, it's all built on childbirth. Yeah. This is the massive difference between men and women. And there's some huge kind of key influences in there, which uh, affect things like injuries, performance. So that's what it all comes down to really, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like our hormonal system is so finely balanced that you can go easily go either way and push yourself over the edge. And and because you're like, we're talking about the survival hormones are at the top because they're what you need to survive and your body will prioritize them. Your sex hormones are kind of underneath underneath the survival hormones. Then there's the immune system and all that kind of hormones for that. And then it's the sex hormones. So we're kind of at the bottom of the bottom of the pile for the sex hormones. So if you haven't got the top of the tree right the bottom of the tree doesn't doesn't get right either it's that hierarchy isn't it yeah so with regards to women who are particularly into a lot of kind of strength training athletic training and they're trying to get the body fat percentage right down you have to be careful because if the body fat percentage gets too low then it's going to compromise the fertility if you're like an olympic athlete then when you're in your in your peak probably like in your mid to late 20s you're probably not thinking about having a baby it does happen Jessica Ennis, she had a baby and then came back and won gold, I think, didn't she? Yeah. But really, those two goals are kind of at the opposite ends of the spectrum, aren't they? Having a really low body fat percentage and being super athletic and then preparing for pregnancy are totally different, aren't they? So, mm-hmm. yeah, just be careful if you're, if you're really training hard and your body fat percentage gets too low. I think it's below 13% on average. Then you start to get some compromises in infertility. So that's kind of something to look out for because women have a naturally higher body fat percentage anyway yeah Yeah. it's called red s red s what's it stand for again i just told you before dan you need to remember red s stands for (laughs) 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 and i remembered reduced energy deficiency syndrome so when you go into red s that's what a lot of uh, female athletes do female ballerinas are also um, highly susceptible to this where the, the periods stop so it's because your body hasn't got enough energy basically to think about creating a baby um, so it stops your periods and um, I think it's Paul check I'm not, never sure about this but it always sounds really sensible to me that your body carries enough fat for nine months so that you can have a baby basically so you can grow a baby and the, basically when once you're pregnant nobody cares about you anymore <laughs> it's like the, your baby's like a parasite it's taken everything out of you so you need to have enough energy to last for nine months and I'm sure that if you haven't got enough body fat on it's something to do with that that the fertility will drop down because you, your body realizes it couldn't sustain a baby growth for nine months really interesting nature somehow just knows yeah that's like when I think when people struggle to get pregnant sometimes one of the issues is either the male or the female can have like a a really serious health condition that they might not know about, but kind of nature somehow knows that it might be passing down a faulty gene or the parents won't be fit enough to look after the baby. So it's like we always say, look after yourself first. So if you just get two healthy parents or two healthy hosts, then the parasite that you said or the baby (laughs) is going to be a, a healthy one. 
Yeah, yeah. So it's it's so interesting. So so much linked to the female menstrual cycle in the health of a woman. It's actually one of our uh, vital signs. Like after heart rate, blood pressure. Like, do you have a regular period? Um, so that that is one of your vital signs. So as, as soon as things start to deteriorate in your health, you'll start to lose your periods, or your periods will become more irregular, which is what happens in perimenopause as well, because it's that whole stress response. It's probably a pretty obvious sign as well, I imagine. Things like heart rate and breathing rate, they're all kind of, because you're just going on in the background all the time, I imagine a disruption to your menstrual cycle is pretty obvious. So it should be like, it's it's a bit of a big red flag, isn't it, that one? Yeah, definitely. Okay, so yeah, so lots of things linked actually in the female health and anatomy to having babies that then spills out into the rest of the world and of course all of the gym machines and everything are made for men because somewhere in the this is like one of my bones of contention that somewhere along the line the average human became the average man and nothing (laughs) nothing to do with the average woman like iphones are designed for the average man's hand whereas there's like 50% of us here that don't have the average size man's hand and um you know they just forget about us really but we're all fighting back, us girls now. I must admit, I've got an iPhone Plus, and even that's far too big for my hand. It's yeah. more like a tablet. <laughs> a really huge yeah. size, to be honest. It's not like practical at all. Yeah. So yeah. So somewhere along the line, the average person became the average man, and of course, we haven't. We're not really going to go into research or anything here, but of course, the most majority of any medical research has been done on white males. American college student age, like 20 to 25 year old. So, you know, all that kind of stuff doesn't apply to women, but that's what all of the like antidepressant drugs were all tested. Like here's the thing, vaccines, right? You're given the same dose to men and women, but women are a lot smaller than men. There's so many nuances, like yeah. even, even size of people. So someone who is seven foot seven, do they get the same dose as someone who's five foot seven? Is it yeah. just- I mean, it makes sense, does it? I'm, yeah, I'm anti-vax anyway, but there's a lot of <laughs> pretty obvious stuff you would think about though, isn't there? Yeah, like yeah, like obvious that. things like that, yeah. So anyway, let's go through some other stuff. Uh, should we start with knees? Let's start with knees. Knees. So women are more likely to have knee problems than men, and that is because of the hip. It starts at the hip, and uh, women have a wider it's called a Q angle, which is the angle of the head of the femur that is in the hip joint and um that creates a different angle going down so our our femurs like go at a different angle men's tend to go straight down into the knee joint whereas women's go at a slight angle down which creates a lot of knee problems later on in life and that's all because we've got wider hips to have babies yeah it's that as the the thigh goes down to meet the knee then it kind of reverts back as the shin and goes back out at an angle you can if you pay attention you can see that's it's a bigger angle in women isn't it and like you said yeah. it's for wider hips um but yeah it can cause issues i think particularly during pregnancy as well um because obviously yeah. it's very stressful and then the joints become uh, even more lax is it is it relaxing the hormone which gets released during pregnancy yeah. so um and women tend to be if anything overly flexible compared to men anywhere because of this so if there's some structural imbalance already there and then you become even more flexible during pregnancy you kind of really have to be careful particularly at the knee, um, like you said, with the Q angle. Another thing as well with with knees, 
if women wear high heels a lot, the, the shoe obviously lifts the heel up, which then can normally cause the knee to kind of hyperextend. So you, your knees are just pushed back flat, which they're not meant to all, at all times. So you're going to get a really tight calf, so you get pain in there. Then it's going to upset the IT band, and it's just going to go up and up the chain because you, your body thinks, well, the angle of the lower body has changed. Really, if nothing else changed, your head would be looking at the floor. But, yeah. but your eyes want to be on the horizon, obviously just as a survival mechanism. So then your, your head has to lift up, so you get that kind of forward head posture with tight calves. It's, it's just really bad. So if you do wear heels for a long period of time anyway, there's a lot of imbalances that can be developed. Yeah, indeed. Um, so the Q angle range, a normal range, is between 18 and 22 degrees. And most women are on the higher end of that range. So, of course, this means um, in a gym, squat angle, we can't squat like men. I mean, you demonstrated that one day in a video, didn't we? Totally different squat styles. Still get as low as each other, but in a totally different way. Um, lunges. Uh, again, a lot of women who are trained can't do lunges because of their knees. So, uh, really bad. It also um, goes further down the chain into the foot. Women are more likely to pronate inwards. So you see that whole, it's that typical thing that the knees are coming down at the hips, the hips, then the, the feet pronate in and the knees look like they're kind of knocking together. You know, and you see that when girls walk and, you know, yeah. overanalyze things. Yeah. It's probably me and you can probably notice it more. There's probably like videos out there which which you could show because obviously when people wear clothes, it's, it's hard to tell. But we see people exercising and doing movements and you can tell kind of there, can't you? But most people subconsciously probably recognize that the shape's kind of slightly different and the way they move is, yeah. is a bit different to men. There's a really interesting video, I think it's on YouTube, of Serena Williams doing a box jump, you know, like jumping onto a box and jumping off. And obviously Serena Williams is one of the greatest athletes, but you can see her knees coming together. And um, it's never stopped her from doing anything, but, she, but even she's got it, that whole knee area weakness. So if Serena's got it, the rest of us haven't got much chance, have we? Yeah, but the only problem, the only thing is people say, you say it's a weakness, but she can obviously manage fine by doing it. It's just, if you look at in comparison to a man, like you say, most people just think that an athletic man, that that's the baseline, but that's yeah. just the baseline for men. Women yeah, exactly. is, to is totally different. So yeah, that has to be taken into consideration. It's um, also in the shoulders as well. You've heard the whole saying, like you throw like a girl. Well, actually girls do throw differently because we've differently angled shoulders. So we can't throw like a boy because um, we don't have the same width of the shoulder or the depth of the shoulder bone that men have. Yeah, I, I, when I was doing a little bit of research for, for this pod podcast as well, they were saying when women go through puberty and they start developing breasts, they can often be embarrassed about it and don't know. It's obviously kind of very new. So then they can hunch the shoulders forward a lot during puberty and try and hide the breast. But yeah. then obviously that becomes a pattern. So then to, and obviously that's going to affect the, the ability to, to throw. So yeah, mm -hmm. literally you throw like a girl, but it's, it's a physiological adaptation. It's genetic as well, but you might adapt into that forward head posture, that kind of almost embarrassed kind of feeling and look. Yeah, and you become more lordotic as well, creating a spine and lordosis with that whole thing and uh, that whole going forward, like you say. We've got also we've got boobs which are quite heavy in some cases, and so they're pulling down as well. 
and it can create a lot of problems with recruitment of the lower abs and the spinal erectors. So a lot of women have bad backs due to boobs being there. So yeah, anatomically we're fairly unique. Yeah, and then and then if you go and do a if you went and copied off a typical man's bodybuilding program because someone's told you to lift weights and you do the whole mirror muscles thing, so you work the abdominal muscles and you work the chest muscles and the biceps, most of those mirror muscles are just going to pull you even further forward. So you've got boobs, you say, which are pretty heavy and they're pulling you forward anyway. You really need the opposite. You need really strong extension yeah. muscles in the back. But most generic gym programs avoid those like the plague. But really, it should be kind of a 50-50 split between flexion exercises and extension. And extensions, yeah. If you've got massive boobs, then it's probably more important to do the extension stuff to have a strong back to keep you upright. You're right. You're right. So we do a lot of extension exercises in Pilates and I would say now, nowadays, the most hated exercises, <laughs> especially during lockdown, I've noticed people, I think it's just because more people are sitting at home, getting more sedentary. So we round forward. There's that whole thing of um, women, older women who get that dowager's hump thing, you know, that forward posture, because we are, we're not able to recruit our upper body muscles or nor do we train our upper body muscles as much as men do. So, um, you know, it's kind of, like, I don't know whether there was some stigma towards it. Our women just aren't strong in the upper body. So we don't like it. Don't like that feeling of training them because it hurts. You know what I'm like doing a push-up? I mean, I really hate push-ups. They're like my nemesis exercise, aren't they, Dan? Yeah, and it's, it's not just you, though, from my experience. <laughs> Most women, because they, they feel weak and they feel fatigued quite quick. Yeah. They, I think they tend to have stronger leg muscles and by way of ratios, the, the legs are heavier, so they feel stronger in that doing leg exercises. So yeah. when it comes to doing upper body strength work, they really just hate it. <laughs> but it's it's so beneficial. But yeah, your body goes to the path of least resistance. Um, I mean, everyone's the same to some degree, but I hate those extension exercises because I sit quite a lot and I've just mm. gotten getting used to doing the, the flexion exercises, but I know they're beneficial. But if it was up to me, I would never do one again because yeah. like, the, the, I don't enjoy it. But you have to attack that weakness because it will bite you in the backside later in life. And it's so hard to revert. You're better off doing it when you're as young as possible. Exactly. Exactly. I think I, I was listening to a doctor the other day saying, what exercise should you be doing as women? And it was push-ups. <laughs> I was like, squats for men and push-ups for women. And, you know, he's right. Pull-ups as well. I can never do a pull-up. Yeah, there's obviously ways you can work up to a pull up. There's there's yeah. a lot of similar exercises, but that's um that's yeah it's it's a long way to get there. Yeah, you can just get just as much progress by doing other similar stuff to build up to a pull up. Yeah, and like you say, women tend to be more bendy, and I'm quite bendy. So when you are naturally bendy, it's actually harder to strength train because your muscles have to stabilize more. So there's more recruitment in the stabilization rather than the actual oomph of the whatever exercise you're doing. So it's quite interesting that because I always thought, why can't I lift heavier? And then I realized that, yeah, I'm actually quite bendy. So that's my excuse anyway, Dan, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> no, no it's, it's a massive consideration, isn't it? But I think because women, I say they have that uh, more um, lax joints, and then men yeah. tend to be kind of stronger. I find there's, there should be more. I think men could use a little bit of the female side and females could use a little bit of the strength side. I think the pendulum swung 
too yeah. much for, for each. So if they could just mix and match a little bit, I think if women became a little bit stronger, that would improve the the posture, it would improve other health benefits as well. And if men became a little more flexible, it yeah, would improve yeah. their strength training overall. Yeah. Because you still need the flexibility. And I, I get, and they just go to the extremes, don't we? Yeah, I know. And when I get men in my classes, I love getting men in my classes because I think Pilates is one of the most beneficial things that men can do. And they love it when we're doing like planks or like push-ups and stuff because they can like do those and they're dead good. But they hate things like mermaids, you know, where we're doing a nice overarching thing and like loads of men hate mermaids, especially if you've got shortened hamstrings and all of that kind of you know the breathing and all the actual stretching stuff men find really challenging <laughs> so it's quite funny when the, the wives and that are going like what's the matter with you and they're huffing and puffing away like trying to do a stretch but then they can hold a plank not well not until like once I get them sorted with my stick no oh, the trusty stick comes out the to play trusty stick comes out yes how dare you excel in an exercise let's make it hard let's make sure you're correctly aligned via the stick um what else have we got to say dan um men have more roughly 50 percent more type 2 fibers muscle fibers than women which are the ones that build strength yeah this comes into the same category as when women think that they're going to get bulky and massively muscular when they lift weights or do resistance training which me and you both know, but we've said many times, this just isn't true, is it? They don't have as many of those fast twitch muscle fibers and men have 10 times as much testosterone as women, which is primarily the the, the, the hormone that builds that muscle. So women, fear not. You can actually build this nice lean muscle. You can even lose weight, change to a, a, a more attractive looking body shape but just because you have more muscle doesn't mean you're like this bulky bodybuilder. It's just, I think sometimes women, once they start doing any strength training, it's the fact that it might be the first time they've like seen any muscular definition in the arms or the shoulders and it just scares them a little bit, I think. They might think they're looking bigger and bulkier, but they might actually wear less. They might actually look leaner. But I think just being able to see the muscles can often scare people a little bit. But I, I don't know about you, but it just seems to never go away that I think it might have changed a little bit but that stigma is kind of it's always there isn't it yeah I think you're right like people go oh my thighs are getting bigger I can't fit into my skinny jeans anymore it's actually no you're getting a really good shape in your legs that's why you can't fit into your skinny jeans anymore it's not because you I think people think they're getting bigger that equals fatter <laughs> but it doesn't yeah I think women look numbers a lot more than men like measurements yeah. and numbers and, and scales and yeah and scales it can be well it becomes a bad thing for most of the time because like you say the numbers tell you one story but really you feel better than ever it should be how you feel exactly. you know whereas men men obviously suffer a little bit with it but men are more just kind of they go to the gym they feel good and they don't worry about the weight as much i mean obviously some do but women it's like they can micro like analyze everything the skills say this but i've had this many grams of this it's just how do you feel did that strength session feel good do you feel good about yourself you know it's it should come down to feeling a lot more but women are a lot more emotionally kind of tapped in so there's that to take into account as well yeah and here's the thing men like if me and steven say go on decide that we need to lose a bit of weight and we cut back on certain things, you know, alcohol, chocolate, that kind of stuff. 
he'll lose weight like 10 times quicker than me. It really annoys us. So does that mean you both have to give up on the diet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just like, it's so annoying, isn't it? That men can do this thing where they're like exercise and eat healthily for like two weeks and then suddenly they back to their original weight that they wanted to be women we have to like and it's because of our hormones and our fat storing devices whereas men have fat burning devices it's really annoying us girls have to work much harder to lose a similar percentage of body fat than men do and it's all down to us having babies like I said before it's that whole storage of the fat cells to prolong a seven month nine months not seven (laughs) nine months of baby whether you like it or not (laughs) So like since you mentioned the going on diets and trying to lose weight, I think women are more because they're so concerned about the way they look and they've obviously been told a lot of disinformation throughout history about the way they should train and the way they should eat. Again, it's a lot based on like studies with men. So women do tend to fall into that diet culture a lot more than men, don't they? Men they don't seem to care as much. Women they fall into crowds and they want to feel accepted and look attractive so they can get influenced, I think, a lot by marketers as well but these crash diets they can be especially harmful and stressful on on women's bodies when you go on these diets especially where they're they're really low calorie diets your body thinks it's actually starving so it responds accordingly so it increases the size of the fat cells and it slows the metabolism down so your fat cells are getting bigger and your ability to burn those fat cells is actually slowed down so that crash diet has done the absolute opposite of what you want to so you shouldn't go on a diet you should just start eating the correct food in the correct amounts and your body will just fall into shape but as a society we we think too much short term you have to Mm. have that long-term view if you just eat the correct amount of food for a year or two years then your body will just fall into its natural cycle and its natural weight and its natural shape and you'll look good but we want that short sharp get it done six weeks new you it just doesn't work like that at all no, and especially as you get older as well, that the aging process adds a whole new dimension to that too. So yeah, you can't do it anymore. Yeah, that's why it's, it's important to start and get good information when you're younger as well. But social media and stuff now, it's just becoming so, it's so polluted with just misinformation and people trying to sell stuff. It's very dangerous. Yeah, and it's all like the the algorithm favours the women with the six packs and the elongated legs that can stick them over their heads and all that kind of stuff which doesn't mean they're healthy it means probably the hypermobile and in red s <laughs> yeah exactly but you don't you don't get that information in the screenshot of the <laughs> and the one the, picture that they took yeah. about probably took about 10 pictures while they looked like that and then posted them for the rest of the year making the rest of us feel bad yeah and then photoshopped them and you know paid a lot of money to get them advertised and get them put up there so yeah, we have to be aware of these things because it's, it is dangerous. Yeah. Have you got anything else, Dan? Just the final thing about, we've spoke that a lot of the physiological differences between men and women are due to childbirth. Well, then childbirth in itself can be, obviously, it's very traumatic. But then if you go through a cesarean section or even if you have like a hysterectomy, the abdominal muscles get cut straight through. So if you think how traumatic that is, if you do do athletic training or any type of exercise and you just go straight back to the old program, that needs to be tweaked massively because you've probably lost connection and strength with those deep abdominal muscles. So the first step back should be to correct, get the strength and coordination back there because 
we've done an episode about the core that all movement starts there and then emanates out. So if you have no feeling or strength in your core and you're going to rely too much on the extremities to do these big movements, it's a lot on the spine. So your chances of injury goes up. So always seek to reestablish strength and control in the core, especially if you've had a C-section or a hysterectomy, something that men luckily don't go through. I mean, you can, some men unfortunately have operations where their abdominals are cut, but a C-section is very common in women and hysterectomies are as well. So it's, it's um, a big thing to consider. Yeah, indeed. Do you know they tip you upside down now to do a hysterectomy? And a, like a robot does it now. It's bizarre. And they cut two like holes out. Yeah, <laughs> they put two holes either side of your hips. And then yeah. they, uh, it's like a very odd. Yeah, so there's lots of um, a hysterectomy is a whole different thing as well, especially if you get your ovaries removed and get put into surgical menopause. That's a whole different ball game as well. It's a whole different podcast. It's a whole different podcast, that one, yeah. So, yeah, so you're right. You need to be watching out for those those um, cuts and things that they do to you, the surgeons, and stitch you back up because they're probably cutting through some pretty important muscles. That I know a lot of people who've had caesareans and they get lots of tinglers, ting, tingling, <laughs> tinglers, <laughs> tingling, like nerve damage kind of thing around that area, especially if you start working into it. So it's good if you have had a caesarean to come and see me or somebody who knows what they're doing to try and get all that sensation back. Um, rather than just leaving it. Yeah, I must admit, when I first started training with the Czech Institute, that was some of the most interesting stuff. Because I was still quite young, and I didn't really know mm. a lot about that anyway. And then showing you some of the techniques, how to get the abdom- inner abdominal wall and things to start working again. I was like, I've, I've never even heard of this. I've never seen any videos about it. And then it just yeah. totally makes sense. And then you realize how important this actually is. You, you get That's what I kind of found where you got the value for money for the training. Yeah, Absolutely. So yeah, so there's a lot of uh, anatomical differences. We can't train. Oh, here's my final point, Dan, is post-exercise recovery. Men, you know, that whole MetFit thing was like, you can burn calories like for 24 hours after you've done this half an hour workout. Men, yes. Women, no. Three hours max. So everyone who was sitting there eating their cakes thinking, yes, I'm sitting on the sofa burning my calories because I did my hit workout. Sorry to break it to you, but that was just heading straight to your hips. Yeah, and if you were sitting on the couch eating cake, you probably haven't got the right <laughs> mindset anyway. You should be getting a post-exercise recovery meal of protein, and we've obviously done yeah. an episode about fat. These things are really important. So, again, women in this diet culture, don't just go eating salads and green shakes. I know you're a bit of a carnivore, Jill, so get need protein, and you need protein. obviously animal fats come in that protein, but protein and fat... Do not neglect them because muscles and hormones and everything, that's that's the fuel. Skin, hair, nails, all that stuff require fat. Fat and protein. Fat and protein, indeed. And as women get older, we need more leucine. Leucine. I've got to start singing there. <laughs> Dolly Parton. <laughs> and um, <laughs> Leucine is a, um, a amino acid that we need to build muscle more. And um, yeah, it's usually found in animal protein. I've gone on a bit of a, a carnivore diet of late, not 100% carnivore, but just more kind of in touch with our primal. Here's something for you, which I found out recently. This is just a, a hypothesis, a bit of a theory I heard from someone. But you know, we eat like a lot of vegetables now. We do eat meat still. and But ancestrally speaking, 
our kind of primates and where we come to assume even like actual actual humans when they would kill an animal they would eat the organs first the, or the heart the kidneys the liver we knew we kind of know this anyway but we don't do that today do we, we eat a lot of muscle meat mm-hmm. but even today like we have like vegans and even omnivores we we might have a steak we might have a salad with it but if you just keep eating the salad and all the, the carbohydrate food it's like you're signaling to your DNA that you're a crap hunter and you can't catch any animals. So you're basically telling all the physiology of your body, well, I can't catch, I can't catch an animal. So I'm just eating, like I'm, they called, this bloke called them survival foods, like fruits and vegetables. Mm. Um, and he said, you should only really eat the vegetables or the fruits that want you to, want to be eaten. So apples fall off trees. So it's kind of easy to get them. He says, but a lot of these underground foods and stuff, they have chemicals in them. He had a really long name for them. I can't remember what it is. But he said it's kind of like, it's a de- defense mechanism to stop humans eating it, which is why a lot of vegetarians, they get gas, they get bad stomachs. But animals' defense mechanism is just to run away. But obviously humans can catch animals, so it's more of a natural thing. So he was saying if you're eating all these vegetable foods, you're just signaling to your DNA that you're a crap hunter. He says, so get back on the organ meats. And only in times of survival should you eat these massive amounts of vegetables. It's just a theory, which I suppose it can only ever be because there's no way to prove that. But I thought that was really interesting. So I went and bought some like I went and bought some liver and some heart and some <laughs> some kidneys <laughs> and everything. You've uh, not gone on a done special, have you? Well, I did make a pretty big order, but I, I'm still going to eat some vegetables. I know it's interesting, isn't it? Like you don't see a dog wouldn't naturally go and eat like an orange or something, would they? They, they dogs tend to stick with what dogs tend to eat, don't they? So, oh, well, obviously you'll know having, having a dog, but you put a piece of meat in front of a dog and it's like... It's gone. It's just that animal instinct immediately, isn't it? Yeah, especially when you've got a Labrador like mine who loves food. Yeah, but yeah, say meat especially. Yeah, interesting. You don't even chew it, do they? No, just inhale. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but they wouldn't naturally go for a turnip or a potato unless it's covered in meat juice. That's yeah. the only time I can get. Or a unless potato. it was, yeah, or unless Damn it was dog. pure survival mode. Unless it was going to drop dead. Yeah. And consider eating something, but when, especially humans now, we just have abundance. You just, you don't have to leave your house to get organ meat delivered to you. Out. You just, it's a few clicks on a mouse, isn't it? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my, that's my, be my latest fascination. That's your current theory. All right, (laughs) I can get it. Yeah, I can get that. Yeah, I think like, we eat too many chemicals nowadays, don't we? So. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Anyway, we digress. So get on the website and make sure you're updated with everything. uh, Organicpilates.co.uk. Yep, and remember the podcast is going to keep hitting your mobile phone every Monday morning. So we're on iTunes, Spotify, Alexa, Google Home, Podbean, and yeah, just just the internet in general. We are everywhere on the internet and my website as well. So yay, excellent. So thanks for listening, listeners. And don't forget to leave us a review. Five stars, preferably. Otherwise we cry. Don't think Dan will cry. (laughs) (laughs) All right, thanks everyone. Bye.